the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right. I am Charles Love. John is preparing for the uh, post-game wrap-up. So, um, first show back this week, the last show of the year, and uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of interesting things, a potpourri of things, but uh, I decided, you know, it's the week of Christmas, I would start off with a rant. I'm going to start off with my annual Christmas versus Happy Holidays rant. So, you know, give us a call at 312-642-5600 and let me know what your thoughts on the topic are. If you think that is no big deal, if you prefer to say happy holidays because you think it's a kinder, a nicer way to approach this time of year. If it irks you, whatever your views are, I would love to hear them. 312-642-5600. So I was at work and I did this thing. And of course, the people that I've worked with, you know, like with your job, you have people that have been there for years and people who are newer. So the people who've been around for a while were like, uh-oh, here he goes again. And then newer people were like, okay, what's this take? Let's see what you have to say. And I was like, you know, people saying happy holidays. I'm like, why are you saying that? You know, what, what a holiday? And they're like, oh, why do you make such a big deal about it? And there are a couple of reasons that I make uh, a big deal about it, and I think it's indicative of the way society is shifting, as I always talk about the culture, shifting to the left. And um, the way I draft... Um, bring up most of my arguments about any topic as a Christian, it's a very you know important holiday and it may be an issue there, but I can make my argument uh, either way from a religious or a secular uh, standpoint. And I do both. And um, so I'm, I'm arguing about it and I'm explaining that um, we're devolving by making this a big deal. And as usual, those who think it's crazy to say that there's a war on Christmas or it's not a big deal, simply say that we're making uh, too big of a deal of this. And I don't believe so. You see, the issue I have with it is, you know, part of it is just laziness. Some people just say, you know, you used to say you're not going to see somebody for a while. You say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So some of the people are just saying Happy Holidays because it's easier. I get that laziness, but whatever, no big deal. So it's not like I'm being an extremist and saying, trying to force religion down anyone's throat, but it's interesting. So like, for instance, this week I went to work every day except for Christmas and except for New Year's day. So I'm working all, all the days around the holidays. And so I think if somebody's taking the rest of the year off, you're not going to see me say happy holidays. It's not a big deal. But if I, it's, you know, you say, all right, I'm leaving, going home. And I say, Merry Christmas. That person say happy holidays. 
And then they come back on Thursday. We work together Thursday and Friday and Monday and Tuesday. And then they say, Happy New Year when they leave. Right. So it's like, what holiday were you talking about? Right. So people are always they, they started for the grand time between Thanksgiving or whatever. And I say, OK, but what if it's December 3rd and you're saying happy holiday? If you're going to see me again, there's only one holiday you're talking about. But then I ask the question, you know, they say, well, everybody doesn't celebrate your holiday. I say, that's true. But let's be honest. So I asked them, if you're a Christian, what is the one national holiday in the month of December? And they said, Christmas. And I say, if you're Jewish, what is the one national holiday in December? If you're Muslim, if you're an atheist, what is the one national holiday in December? If you're honest, the answer's the same. It's just Christmas. New Year's Day is the following year. Thanksgiving has passed. So that's not the issue. So if you're saying the argument is that people don't celebrate it, that's why, you know, but people used to say it all along and it wasn't an issue. So this, this is where the cultural shift comes in. So it wasn't an issue. Then all of a sudden people say, let's be more inclusive by saying happy holidays. And many Christians bought in and said, yeah, it doesn't hurt anybody. Let's do that. And now we've reached a point where people are saying, well, it's offensive to say Merry Christmas because you don't know what I believe. There was a Washington Post article that says, stop saying Merry Christmas to me. You don't know what I celebrate and it's not inclusive and it's offensive. So if we follow the natural progression of the left in two or three years, once they win that battle, because we all lie down and just say it's not a big deal. They'll be saying, saying Merry Christmas is racist. That's going to be the next step. So it does matter uh, because you're being disingenuous. And, and then to the what holiday you celebrate standpoint, uh, that's another shift. You know, you, usually before you would ask somebody what they're doing for Christmas and they tell you, you know, regardless of what they believed. Now it's, it's different. So I talked to some people who are definitely not leftists, but I talked to a friend of mine. I had one Jewish friend and a, and a Muslim friend did the same thing. I said, hey, I know, they don't, I know that they're Muslim and Jewish, obviously. But I say, so what are you doing? I either say, what are you doing on Christmas or what are you doing for either on Christmas or what are you doing for the holiday? And they responded, well, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> and I said, I know that. But that wasn't what I asked you. I didn't ask you what you celebrate. I asked you what you were doing. Because, see, since it's the national holiday, everybody's still off. So what tends to happen, and we all know it, so, you know, everybody knows that, well, I, actually, surprisingly, I can't say everyone knows because my Jewish friend made the point that it's funny that people, you know, didn't know that. It's like it's so common, it's a known thing, and they didn't know. But for those of you who don't know, a lot of Jewish families spend the day, since they're all together with their families, uh, spending time together, and they go to Chinese restaurants and have dinner together. So you're not celebrating the Christian holiday, but you are using that time specifically to do something with your family and you do the same thing every year. So therefore you have a tradition on that day. All I was asking was what you do. So people used to say, oh, we're going to a Chinese restaurant with the family. That's what we do for Christmas, even though we're not Christians. That, no big deal. Now they say, what are you doing on Christmas? Well, I don't celebrate Christmas. All right. So they say, you, 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 you probe further and say, well, what are you doing? Well, every year, my brothers and sisters and my parents get together. We take turns going to each other's house and we bring a potluck dinner. So you have an annual tradition that you do on 1225 every year. Guess what? You're celebrating the holiday. So, again, even though they don't celebrate the religious holiday, you can't say it's offensive because they're getting time off. They're getting paid. They're getting all the stuff. That, you know, when you do a Christmas bonus, you don't, say, you don't say, you know, well, I'm Jewish. Can you keep that money? Nobody would say that. So, but we're crazy for saying that you're taking it to the extreme 
And then when I show my liberal friends, excuse me, leftist friends, the articles like the Washington Post and the others saying it's offensive, they just roll their eyes and say, yeah, that's silly. I don't agree with that. But that's like five people saying that. Nobody really believes that. I'm like, it's the Washington Post. It's not just some random guy. It matters, right? And so, uh, like I was telling the producer here, I said, um, usually when I make my argument, uh, they say I'm crazy at the beginning. I start to make my point, and they start to slowly convert, and at least say I understand your point. And for the last few I don't get, this is what I hit them with. I said, okay, take the, take the religion out of it. It's the national holiday. You want to say that. So it's a national holiday uh, across the country on 1225. It is probably the the holiday that most places shut down. I, don't, I mean, it's never 100%, but your highest percentage of businesses that close for a holiday is on that particular ho- holiday, whatever it is, the one on 1225. But I took it a step further. I said, okay, think of all the holidays. And it, it's laughable if I, if I change the verbiage for every holiday and did what you do for Christmas. So you're going away for the weekend. You're not going to see your buddy for a while. It's... Memorial Day is the end of May, and you say, all right, happy holidays, see you Tuesday. Nobody says that, right? Nobody says um, happy holidays on the 4th of July, right? They say happy 4th, happy Independence Day. So you think about it, you go through every holiday, and there's only one holiday that they say that for. So it may not be ma- matter much to you, it may not be a big deal, or you may be doing it just for brevity or just uh, you know to be kind, but for the people who are strategically pushing for a cultural shift, there's a reason why we have all these holidays and the only one they won't say the name of is that one. And the problem is, even if you don't um, celebrate, it's not the issue. I'm talking about a greater cultural and, and, and uh, um, shift and a, and a greater, greater problem that's going on is that push that to change traditional values and beliefs. And that problem is you have Christians who for them, this is a holy day who walk around saying it because they say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I see Facebook posts. I I get cards from people who I know are Christians, some of them clergy, with pictures of their family, all happy with Christmas trees and, and bells, saying happy holidays to you and yours. So this week, as I always do, I made it a point to do that. I go to the store and somebody said, all right, well, here you go. Here's your change and happy holidays. I said, Merry Christmas to you. And most of them just say Merry Christmas. I mean, some of them just kind of look at you like, I can't believe you said that to me. But they don't really say anything. But that's my rant. I just think it's crazy that we have all these holidays and the one holiday we can't mention is that one. Um, so I say it when I can and I make it a point to push that on, on uh, everyone else. Um, coming up, I'm going to talk, carry on the Christmas, not my rant, but talk about um, what's happened this week and the interesting and some of it bad um, reflections we have of not the Christmas spirit. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM 560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. This is Charles. John is delivering cabbages. Um, Amy just, just did an ad, a promo for my pillow, and she mentioned that there was a special offer. And she just said, just in time for the holiday. See, Amy, just in time for Christmas. That's why you're buying the gifts and such. 
So, <laughs> all right, I'm done with the rant. But I do want to stick with the Christmas theme because um, whatever your, thinks, your, your thoughts are, you know, I, I always say that religion is important even if you're a secular person because good religion, obviously some people do some bad things, is good because it's focusing on the human spirit and we know we're flawed. And it is um, a major influence and a major way to get people to act morally and do the right thing. And when you don't have that, Many of us are lost. Um, you have uh, people who are non-believers who say, well, you should be able to be your own moral compass and do the right thing because it's the right thing, which is true and it sounds good. You should be able to, but many people are not. And uh, unfortunately, we've seen some terrible exam- examples of that this week. So um, this week we've had some really uh, sobering News stories come out um, locally and internationally. I uh, wanted to touch on, you know, in this time that we focus on family and what's important to, to help us maintain perspective. Uh, the day after Christmas in Nigeria, um, ISIS released a video of them beheading 11 Christians. I believe they said it was uh, in uh, response to... Uh, their leader being killed, but, um, you know, they could have killed anybody for that, right? It didn't have to be lining up Christians and beheading them. So um, this stuff is still going on, even though we don't focus on it all the time, either because we're busy or because it's a holiday or because, um, you know, we're spending all our energy um, talking about Donald Trump. There's some really important, both good and bad things happening. Uh, Later on, I'm going to talk about you know, highlight some of the things that happened early in the year to prove that, you know, how soon we forget. And it's all a matter of what the media focuses on. But that's important uh, here locally. You, I'm sure you heard that last Sunday, 13 people were shot at a house party uh, here in Chicago in Inglewood. And a lot of, you know, it made a lot of uh, news and a lot of people, at least locally, were talking about it on social media, both from the horrors of it, but also the fact that it didn't garner the type of coverage that other mass shootings uh, garner, which I wasn't surprised about. I talk about this before, about how they have in the left um, moved to change the language and have control over definitions. They've decided that a mass shooting is not about numbers. It's about the number of people who die. So you could shoot 60 people, according to the left, and if only one of them dies, it's not a mass shooting. Explain to me how that makes sense. I don't know. But the other interesting thing about the shooting is the way it was covered. Um, as the news comes in, obviously they have to adjust based, based on when they get the information, but then it came out that the party, the purpose of the party was for um, to remember someone after a funeral, and, and they said it <laughs> the way the way it was portrayed on many of the news outlets. I know NBC was one of them said that uh, the party was for uh, the family member or friend of someone uh, who had uh, died in a carjacking. But you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom or find somebody else who's willing to report it. But nobody put it in the lead that said that the person who died in the carjacking was the carjacker. So to make that clear for you. People came to a house to, to celebrate the life of their friend and family member 
who died trying to carjack somebody, pulled a gun on somebody, and that driver was a legal gun owner and shot the uh, robber and killed him. So this party was for that person, the criminal, not the victim. And um, then they were 13 people were shot at that party. So it's unfortunate, but it's also interesting that they, it was not covered as, you know, as it should have been. Then on Christmas Day, we had a seven-year-old who was shot in her home. That morning, uh, the day she's going to celebrate Christmas with her family. All in all, we're uh, unfortunately, 2019 is ending with a bang. We had since the Friday before Christmas up until today, Chicago has seen 11 people killed and 75 people shot. That is, you know, eight days in December to close out the year. And it's not just here. In Baltimore, they've had four people killed this week, making 2019 their second deadliest year in history. Um, they are experiencing an unprecedented almost level of gun violence and violence in general. And many of those uh, cases like Chicago are going uh, unsolved. And it's really unfortunate and, you know, and, and what's worse is the only time Baltimore gets coverage is to defend it when Trump says there's a problem there. And then everybody jumps to their defense to say, there's nothing wrong with Baltimore. How dare he says that? Uh, again, it's all about perspective and where we put our focus. And then lastly, we have a uh, report out in New York. There's a headline uh, on NBC in New York that says, Open season on Jews. There has been a rise in attacks on um, Jews in New York. They've had um, something like eight attacks since the 13th of December. A woman and her daughter were attacked coming out of a shop. Some woman hit her over the head and yelled some uh, anti-Semitic things at her. And uh, they say that it, it had gotten worse during Hanukkah. So, um, in this season, as we say, where we should be showing love and peace and goodwill towards each other, um, we have a lot of sadness and a lot of um, violence going on. And until those people are caught, we don't know. But I would you know, venture to say that um, very few of those committing the crimes are people who are regular churchgoers. Very few of them are people who are openly living their lives according to a faith and morals bigger than themselves. So this is a response to those people who say, we can police ourselves, we can set our own morals, and we don't need religion to do it. And it also kind of brings in perspective the fact that we, it's important where we place our energy and our focus. So instead of trying to do what we can to fix this, to help our brother, to reach out to our friends and family, to uh, be better stewards and better leaders and better uh, examples of um, how to live, we're more concerned with, well, you know, I know a way that we can make the lives of people who are poor are struggling better. 
we can use the right terminology for the holiday. We can say holidays and happy holidays instead of Christmas. And that'll make all things better. So it's, I say this a lot, I know, but it's really important that, you know, the focus and the priorities are correct. You know, there was a story out of Canada that, you know, during these holidays, whatever they are, during the holidays, a lot of TV networks show Christmas movies. Imagine that. And in Canada, they were showing Home Alone 2. And there's this, uh, this uh, old famous rich guy who did a cameo in the movie uh, where uh, Macaulay's character, Kevin, is walking through the lobby of the plaza. And this guy owns the plaza at the time. And he just walked up to him and asked him for directions. You know, everybody knows it's a pretty popular scene. And in Canada, during the holiday season, while showing a Christmas movie, decided it would be in the spirit of the holidays and Christmas to cut this guy out of the movie. And they just show the movie without this cameo because, you know, it's the season of um, being kind to your fellow man and to be kind would be to erase this guy from the movie. Um, of course, we know who he was. It is the uh, current president of the United States, Donald Trump. So Donald Trump couldn't be seen for 20 seconds pointing to a payphone because that would be hate speech and promoting hatred in Canada. But we can uh, ignore all these other things that are going on. Um, coming up, I'm going to talk about uh, a very fun dinner party I went to and the interesting conversation that came out of it. Stay tuned. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. and right on AM560. Here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right. Um, this is Charles Love. And um, I want to shift gears a bit and talk about uh, a dinner party I went to recently uh, this past Sunday. A friend of mine was kind enough to bring us some people into our home and cook a wonderful meal and have some nice conversation. Obviously, sometimes current events and politics and things of that nature come up. And um, we had uh, eight people, I think it was. And uh topic came up of, you know, politics and people voting and how you address certain issues. And so I asked them, I don't know what the, what the, what the shift was that made me think about it. But I asked them um, if they ever listened to urban radio. And I think only one of them had. Most of them said no. And I said, it's a must listen. You have to listen to urban radio. Um, And they asked why. I said, it's really important. I think, uh, and the person who had listened before knew a couple of the hosts and were talking about their shows. I'm like, they're fine. But it's not uh, pro or against any of the hosts. It's because the people who call up on these shows are just like the people who call up on many of the uh, AM560 shows, right? They are just the regular, you know, normal, middle class, lower middle class, slightly upper middle class. They work all kinds of jobs. They're just regular people, except most of them are black. And uh, I said it's important because you need to, especially since race is such a, a hot button issue and people talk about it so much, I think I say you need to know how 
how they speak and what people think. I mean, you know, as a white person, not everybody at the dinner was white, but several of them were. So you know what you think and you have your perceptions in general about life and how you were brought up and you talk to your black friends and people you work with. But you only get a narrow perception of what they think because, you know, they may change the way they talk to you, you know, according because you work together and they don't want to ruffle any feathers or this or that. But when you call people and they're anonymous on the radio, you get to hear what people think. And so I said that uh, and, and one of the uh, other people at the dinner who was black is like, yeah, and he's a conservative. He's like, yeah, they're all liberals. I said, no, you're wrong. That's why you have to listen. They're not all liberals. Politically, they may identify as Democrats and vote Democrat, but from an issue standpoint, they're all across the board. They're not liberals. And I gave some examples. I said, so this uh, legal marijuana was in the, mo- in the news a lot. And this is why I think it's important for you to listen. So here's an example of, of how that topic comes up on black radio. So some of the hosts and some of the callers would say it's bad. It's going to hurt our community. And uh, we don't need more, more reasons to be uh, out of our own mind and not in control of our, uh, our own well-being and doing the best that we can, which is not a liberal thing to say. Some of them would say it's good. I think it's great. I think, you know, it should be legal. They should be letting people out of jail. Marijuana is harmless. Others are in the middle. And they're the most interesting ones. It's like, I don't know if it's good or bad. All I do know is if people, if it's going to be legal and people are going to make money off of it, then the black community needs to get a piece of the pie. And that's where most of, most of the people tend to land. So it's not a, a left or right issue. It's more of a black issue. So they side on whatever side they think will help black people the most. And that's what makes it an interesting take, right? Where most people call up here, they either have liberal views to, to challenge the conservative hosts or the opposite side. This it's, it's all about pro-black and that's what they care about. So you, you, you find the way they weave these things together and it's pretty interesting. So I used another example. I said, so take, for instance, uh, the Hallmark issue. I talked about it last week where Hallmark um, pulled a gay kiss in a commercial and because they got backlash and then the LGBT community complained. Where to a show, all of these hosts and many of the callers were like, Hallmark was right. The LGBT community is wrong. They're being too extreme. They're pushing their views on us. I don't care what they do, but who are they to force me to like it and accept it? Again, I said to my friend, that's not a liberal point of view. But what they did say, the way they shifted is they go on to say, I have a problem with the fact that the LGBT community kept calling it discrimination and saying it wasn't inclusive and that Hallmark needed to be more inclusive and focused on diversity. So their angle was many of them, the majority of them, that they were upset because diversity means something different to them. And they don't like the fact that the left is changing the definition. And they're saying that diversity means that you have to include, you know, LGBTQ people as if they are not also. That's just a subset of some other group. So you can be black in that you can be white in that you can be Jewish, you can be Muslim, whatever the case may be. And they feel that blacks are being pushed aside to make that a protected minority class. So, so I, I, I told them that I thought it would be important to listen to that because you need to see how they, how they speak. Cause you'll be surprised. I think that black people aren't saying the things. So if you watch CNN or even Fox, or you watch the mainstream media and hear what they say, black people say, you don't get this right. Cause you're not hearing it from the average black person's mouth and your friends aren't going to tell you this for the most part. So what you hear is black people are upset about this. Black people are happy about this. Black people hate Trump. You'll be surprised. A lot of them do, but you'll listen to that station. There's a lot of people that will either be like, I like Trump because of this, or I don't really care about Trump. What I focus on, on is this, but what you will get 
is a surprising broader view that blacks don't just sit around thinking about Trump all the time like you do in mainstream media. Um, so oh, coming up against the break, I, I'll come back and tell you more about that uh, interesting conversation. This is Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. When we left, I was talking about a conversation at a dinner party I went to and how I was encouraging the guests to listen to urban radio and uh, getting into the way the callers and some of the hosts speak about issues and how they're different from what you'd hear on conservative radio and different from what you're in the mainstream media and why it's important to hear that voice. Because as a white person, I don't know when else you'll hear a voice that honest. You don't have to agree with it, but it's honest, right? People are calling up, they know they're anonymous and they'll say what they mean. And you'll be surprised by that. Um, and um, so in the course of this conversation, then uh it took a kind of different turn and I got some pushback from someone which made for, you know, some uh, really interesting uh, dialogue. Um, and give us a call at 312-642-5600 and let me know if you listen and what your thoughts are. And, you know, if, if you're black, you can call me and tell me if you agree that the way people talk are in the community is different from what you see on the news. Or if not, you can tell me that maybe you have a different experience and even as a white person, you have a friend or you have somebody who's open about these uh, topics. But we were going on and I said that in agreeing, disagreeing with the person who was saying that, you know, a lot of them are left. And I said, many of them are, but not all of them. And and uh, you'd be surprised that I personally think the numbers of leftists are low. A lot of liberals, 80, 80% of them at least are liberals, but most of them aren't far left. But what they do is spin on is they're focused on, What's going to be the best situation for black people? And the problem with that is some, some of us disagree with that being the, pri- the primary focus. Some of us think that um, the way they go about it doesn't work. But then sometimes I agree with them, even though the reason why they're talking about it, I don't agree with. But it still makes them open to understand that they're not getting what they need from Democrats, which still puts them somewhere in the middle. But I was challenging the whole premise because I said that sometimes it leads you down a path that doesn't get you what you want. And I use the marijuana as an example. And I said, for instance, they're like, you know, they, they tried that they, they were, and they give, they push back against them a lot. But in this situation, they were cheering on the black aldermen saying the one time they finally did stand up together. Good for them. Uh, Cause they were trying to stop or at least postpone the start of the legal marijuana at the beginning of the year until something can be looked into as to why there were no black, because they said there were no black people with licenses and they wanted to know why and they wanted to change that. My argument was, who's to say that just because you have black people who own dispensaries, that that's going to change the situation for blacks. And that's what I think the, the uh, argument can be flawed sometimes because look at it. There are a lot of black people who are successful. It doesn't mean, I mean, some of them help, some of them don't. It's, it's more of an individual thing. It's not automatic because they're black. And I said, having that thought process, they just make it seem like that's going to make it different. But uh, let's be honest. Look at the way they treat and how they think about black conservatives. 
So what if the, there were only two blacks that owned dispensaries, not zero, and they were both black conservatives, you know, and they didn't think about things the way they did and they didn't operate the business the same way. Would they then say that that's good enough or would they say they don't count and they need uh, some left-leaning black owners? You see, um, so, and then I think I went on and say that that's the problem is it should be more about performance and attitude and what's being done rather than just if they're black, I'm happy. And I said, I've never really been that way that I see a lot of people. They kind of like live vicariously through others and they think other people that they don't know their achievements are, are their own. And they say, Hey, that guy owns a dispensary. Therefore we're winning. And one of the guests who was black pushed back against me and said, no, I don't think that I don't really think, do you really think that black people uh, that there are black people who think that, who think that uh, when, uh, when other black people win, they win and they, and they're just uh, hoping that other people get opportunities just because, you know, they want to see black people. I'm like, yes, some people actually say it. What do you mean? And she was like, no, I think they're doing it just because they want to seat at the table. And, uh, and I said, some of them, but it's being honest, that's not all of them. I said, uh, many people have seated at the table. So I, I brought up an example like in football, the black quarterback. People were like, hey, I want to see the black quarterback win because, you know, what? Because they want to seat at the table? That's not why they want it. And so we went, we went back and forth on that issue. So now it's just like everybody listening and the black people at the table talking, which is why I say they needed to listen to Urban Radio because you get this kind of conversation. We are really open and honest when we dialogue in these situations. And they were like, and even the person who was the conservative said, no, when, when Doug Williams was quarterback for Washington, I was a Washington fan, but I also wanted to, to win because I knew some white people that was like, that would say to me, a black man can never uh, be a successful quarterback because he's not smart enough. And I said, yes, but that's an individual. And you still proving my point, because what you're saying is what that is, is one ignorant person. So that's not the issue. The issue is whether you believed it or not. So if you heard these kind of uh, comments from white people, whether they were sports analysts or not, and you bought into it and you let that seep in and, and move you to a point that you actually thought that a black man wasn't smart enough to, to be an NFL successful NFL quarterback, then that's your issue. And he was like, no, I didn't believe that. I said, right. So if you don't believe that, then him saying that you shouldn't need a black uh, quarterback to win the Super Bowl to prove that to, to yourself. According to you, you don't. And you shouldn't need it to prove to him. He's an ignorant person. Why are you trying to prove something to him? It's like, yeah, but that'll show him. No, it won't. If he's that ignorant, he's just going to say, yeah, that guy was a fluke. So now you need 17 black quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl just to you know, appease this one ignorant person. I'm like, you're still doing it. You're still trying to be successful and looking at the success of the black community through the eyes of this one racist white person or this one successful black person. Uh, coming up, I will continue this conversation and tell you how it ended. Uh, you're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles. John is digging his car out of the snow. Um, continuing on my uh, interesting dinner party dialogue, I did think that, I mean, you're never going to change people's views if they are really strict on what they believe, but I kind of got the uh, person who was challenging me a bit to understand where I was going uh, because I said that 
I gave an example. And then I said, come on, you're, you're middle class. You know, we all know people who are in certain situations because she used an example of the opportunities aren't the same, even when people do, because I, I push back saying, no, we, we do have opportunities and we are at the table. And she challenged saying, well, that's true, but white people have more of an advantage because of situational and generational. And if you, you got a friend, your parents have a friend, you graduate college and they own a business, you can say, hey, give my, give my kid a, get, uh, a tap, right? And you got that nepotism that we may not have in our community. 100% true. Cannot argue that. However... It's 2019 and we have um, garnered a, a pretty good bench of successful blacks. And I've been arguing for years that the, the problem is the middle class don't do enough. So where, where are the successful people that we know that are tapping their own friends and family's kids on the shoulder and saying, here, let me mentor you. Let me help you out. And so I gave an example. I said, come on, we all know people. You know, I, I don't know them well, you know, haven't known her long enough to know how what her childhood was like. But I was like, I know. I didn't grow up rich and we all know, know black people who did not, who are, who have made it successfully, who are at least middle class and, and things change. When you become middle class, you tend to hang out with the people who are around you, who you work with, or you meet at different events. So they're also middle class. So you get a situation of people who no longer remember where they came from, no longer live in that um, environment and don't talk to those people, but they spend their time talking about what it's like. I told her about my Facebook post where I said, it's funny, these people, these social justice warriors can't make up their mind. Half the time they're talking about how it's so hard out here to be black. And the other half of the time they're talking about how their life is so fabulous and they're posting pictures of their brand new Porsche or their uh, weekend in Venice. Which one is it? Right. So that so she had to laugh. She's like, that's true, because we all know have friends like that. So, you know, you get friends who went to Ivy League school. I got business, you know, um, master's degrees from the top business schools. And they're always so down. I was like, it must be painful to be as sad as you are talking about your life is struggle, even though your life is great. They have not, not a care in the world. They can't tell you the last time they've experienced racism, but they'll keep telling you how racist everything is and the system is bad. But they they can't tell you a situation. They'll just give you hypotheticals or news situations about a guy somewhere in this one town five years ago. Of course. And I argue that people are racist. It doesn't mean the system of the country is. So that's part of the problem. But it's important for white people to listen to urban radio and hear these thoughts so they can get a better understanding of what the beliefs are. And maybe they can help. Maybe they'll agree with them and they'll be able to help black people fight some of the problems they have because they'll have a better understanding of it. I think it's informative and you got to be open to everybody. I don't have a I, I'm, I'm solid in my thoughts and I have no problem listening to anybody. Really quick. Quick. I want to go to Lewis. He has uh, from the South Side who has something he wants to say about the cannabis law. Lewis, you're on black and right. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, about that cannabis. Well, they got really two bills out there. They got uh, this casino gambling that they're going to put in our, our city and this cannabis. And both of them is just uh, a new form of slavery because wow. you become addicted to that behavior. You know, you go, you're going to spend all your money gambling or you're going to become uh, addicted to that uh, uh, cannabis, you know. And, and, and so when you become addicted to that cannabis, you're going to lose out on one big opportunity that's getting ready to come down the pipeline, and that's the $45 billion infrastructure bill that the governor signed, you know. And, yeah, and, and, thank and, you, Lewis. I hate to cut you off, but we're right up against a hard break, and they're going to cut me off hard whether I want you or not. 
Um, see, that proves that all black people don't think the same thing is great. And I want to quickly say, it's like, well, I'm from Gary, Indiana. We had two boats when the casinos came. They thought it was going to be the saving grace. Everything stays the same. And now it's a vicious cycle because now I see people celebrating the fact that a land-based casino is coming. And that's going to be the inco- economic savior to the city. But if the boats didn't do it, you think docking it is going to save, change it? Don't leave. Second hour, we have more. I got a very interesting uh, article to tell you about, about Clarence Thomas. To the black and right on AM560, the answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles Love. John Anthony is watching the new motion picture version of Cats. Um, Last hour, this is going to be a great segue. I was talking about urban radio and talking about why I think it's interesting for people to to kind of take a listen sometimes and um, get a a insight to um, what the average black person thinks on certain issues, uh, which tends to differ from the mainstream media. And now I shift to this article. This is also urban um, media. It's a local paper called Indigo. And uh, there was a recent article back in November by a guy named Paul King. And the headline was, The First and the Worst on the High Court. And the article is about two black Supreme Court justices juxtaposed uh, against each other from their beliefs and their uh, the way they approach both that uh, position and their views on um, the legal standings of the country. Thurgood Marshall and uh, Clarence Thomas. So obviously, since the first black Supreme Court justice was Thurgood Marshall, the author of the article is saying that Clarence Thomas is the worst. So the article is, is, is kind of a must-read. It's, it's, it's like, just like I was saying that it's really nice and interesting and informative to listen to Urban Talk, reading this article will give you some of that similar um, um, viewpoint. So the article starts off with the obligatory attack on Trump. Even though the article's not about him, he didn't place either guy on the court. Yeah, let's throw that in because, you know, it's a special seasoning. You just put it on everything. So after that, they wanted to talk about the uh, Supreme Court. And he first starts off with uh, Thurgood Marshall. Talks about, he, he obviously gives kudos to LBJ for putting him on the court. And talks about um, a book that talks about uh, how his nomination changed America. Talking about... Um, how great he was, given a short little bio that he was a member of AFIA and he had the, the author had an opportunity to meet him. And he says that um, he met them at the uh, University of Chicago and uh, he was bragging about uh, 
finishing school and doing well and what, how he was going to conquer the world. And um, Adam Clayton Powell says, don't tell me how many degrees and diplomas you'll get. Tell me how many pickets you have carried in the heat of the day. And to which Justice Marshall said, damn right. We have to use our education and privilege to benefit to the benefit of other black people. So, of course, the author of the um, article is talking about how great this is. And uh, this is the approach that should be taken by a black on the Supreme Court. And he says that um, Thurgood Marshall lived up to everything he said. He talked about basically he talked about his um, support of affirmative action. And um, talked about how he felt that the court's um, strict uh, scrutiny or requirement needed to be uh, monitored and, and molded in a way that benefits uh, um, racial approach. He says that uh, black people should be um, focused on and uh, taken into account in these um, arguments. So then he goes on to talk about Clarence Thomas, a man he quotes as saying that um, a congressman, when mentioning him, says the man is evil. So definitely a slightly different approach than he took to uh, Clarence Thomas. He references a book, a new book called The Enigma of Clarence Thomas by Corey Robin. Now, I could not tell from the um, article what Corey Robin's political uh, views are and what his total overall view of Clarence Thomas was, but there's a picture of him. He's clearly a, a white man. And then the article goes into talking about what he should be like as a black person, meaning Justice Thomas. And it says that... Um, he questioned uh, how a victim of racism can defend carcinal state and American plutocracy. So basically locking people up and how he can loathe Jim Crow and defend states rights and racially targeted gerrymandering all while living happily with a white wife. This is what goes for um, um, higher intellect in these circles. So I found it interesting, right? First of all, I thought it was ironic that here you have a black magazine posting an article highlighting a book by a white man written about a successful black man describing how he's evil and deeming him a bad black man and not acting the way a black man should act. And then this black man who wrote the article is celebrating a white man saying that the black man is not being a proper black man. So there you have a great, this is why I said the article is a great uh, synopsis of what I talk about, how things kind of get twisted when you focus solely on black. So now, because what he's saying is something that I like, it's okay for a white person to say what a black person really is and when a black person is black and when he's not. Uh, the problem with that, of course, was you don't have to agree with all of um, Thomas's views. But it's interesting that he's not, uh, we don't have differing opinions, or I don't think he's wrong on an issue. He's evil, and he's a bad black man. He's not doing it right. 
because if he were doing it right, he'd be more like Marshall than he was like, uh, than he is like, well, a conservative. But no one, many black people do question, I won't say no one, but none of the black elite, none of the intellectuals, as I do with air quotes, none of them question whether Marshall's approach works or not. Right? So if today, like it helps some people, of course, but is it right? Does it fit the Constitution? Because that's his actually actual job on the Supreme Court. Not to change this quote unquote living, breathing document, but to follow the Constitution. Let we the people change it if we want to change it, but you follow it. So is he following the Constitution for one? And secondly, you need to ask, is it working? So having these set asides and changing the standards for blacks, does it give blacks a better leg up? I would argue that it did for a while and it doesn't today. Um, So you have to look at it more holistically because you're looking for long-term solutions, not a quick fix. So there was a time because the times have changed. So during Jim Crow, not just did it work, I would argue that it was necessary and definitely earlier than that if they were able to get it done. But at some point, as I write in my book, it would have been better to just give us full on uh, reparations either sometimes after slavery or right around the civil rights movement and then end it and just say, okay, all laws are equal then to nibble around the edges with weak affirmative action laws. Cause first of all, they weren't really strong enough. They didn't say black. Let's be honest. That's what the Ados argument is today. They didn't say black. It said minorities. So now today, so many other people benefit from the things that were supposed to be set aside for black people. Tell me how that's an advantage. Beyond that, you look at colleges. Uh, Thurgood Marshall said we needed those set asides to get opportunities in college. We probably did in the 60s. But you're telling me today a black man can't get in college unless we lower the standards for him to get in? I talk about all the time. I had a white liberal ask me, well, don't you want more black people in Ivy League colleges? I'm like, sure, that'd be great. Well, obviously, you need to lower the standards for them to get in because that's not racist. You're not openly saying that a black man's not smart enough to get into Harvard. I don't mind you helping the black man. You know how you help the black man and the black woman get into Ivy League school? I'm okay with this. It's a little unfair, but hey, hey we got to meet you in the middle. This is what you do. You say everyone, the standard is the same, and we get to pick who gets in. It's selective. So every black person who meets this standard, I'm going to let in. I'm okay with that. It's your school. But don't say you have to get this SAT score and have this GPA. But if you're black, you can have a 3.2 and an 800 score. No, give me the same standard and just let me in. Because there are people who get perfect scores on the SAT that don't get into Harvard. Just say if a black guy gets a perfect score, he gets in. That's helpful. That's fine. But what affirmative action laws were saying, lower the standards. Then you get in and struggle. We'll talk about what happens when you get in and take your calls. In a moment on the other side, you're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. And now, more of Black and Right on AM 560. Here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. I am Charles Love. John Anthony is taking down Christmas decorations. Uh, We were talking about um, this article in Indigo about uh, 
Clarence Thomas and Thurgood Marshall and how they're so different. How one was the first and one's the worst uh, <laughs> Supreme Court justice talking about them both being black, but having different ideas of the law and uh, pretty much denigrating him. And I want to go on to tell more interesting things about the article because it got worse. But uh, everybody makes some room because Verlon from the South Side is on the line and he has some thoughts on urban radio. Verlon, welcome to Black and Right. Well, how you doing, Charles? Well, I had a lot of uh, a lot of things to say and engage you about Urban Radio last hour, but I've been stuck at the mall buying last minute Christmas gifts, and I was listening to your show, but it was too loud, and I couldn't call because people bought me Christmas gifts that I didn't think would buy me Christmas gifts, and I feel guilty, and I can't have that on my heart, so I had to shop during the last hour. <laughs> well, I was going to say, know, how are you buying last minute Christmas gifts after Christmas? Boy, we're saying Christmas a lot. That's why, because people bought me stuff, and I feel so guilty. And I got, I got a big heart when you do something for me. You That's know, why I'm going to give them some gifts. But listen, you've been so thoughtful on this subject. Forget about Urban Radio. I know I wanted to talk to you about me and Stephanie debating those crazy liberals. We were in the studio. Oh, you have an experience from Urban Radio, don't you? <laughs> yes, I've had many experiences. I'm always guest hosting over there. But you know what? Those are the crazy people. They lead with emotions. This right here, this is a true topic that we need to talk about. Listen, liberals don't believe in a, a, a judge that tells you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be responsible, and have conscience of character like Clarence Thomas. They want activist judges that can tweak the Constitution mm -hmm. and change the the Constitution will need be. And I'm going to tell you, affirmative action, that's all I hear is, well, it was intended to help minorities, but yet it made us dependent in our own household. We're at the bottom of the list because black women fit two categories, black and woman. Where does the black man fit at? Nowhere. That's why a lot of us was out of the workforce, or workforce in the beginning, and now it's jobs for us, but it's, it's jobs that we don't want. Because we want to shoot straight to the top. We want to be some kind of a producer, an athlete, uh, some kind of music producer or something. Run the company. And, and we won't settle. <laughs> and we want, we, want to, we want to start a company from nothing. We don't want to start out from the bottom and work our way up. Some people don't and, and want to I'm put in the work. They don't want to put in the work. And I'm going to tell you something else. They always talk. They, they got this thing called the big heart. And it's this word they live and die by. It's called help. I'll tell you another thing where they, where they put this country $61 trillion in debt. The, uh, uh, what they call the Anti-Poverty Act that Lyndon Johnson signed yep. uh, into, into, uh, into existence. Yep. From since he signed it to this day, January the 1st, it will make $61 trillion in debt. And they keep saying they, that we are still hurting as a people. Well, where did all the trillions of dollars go? They don't want to talk about that or it wasn't managed right. Well, you know, we know that. Just looking at Illinois that you don't manage things, right? So where, where's this money? Where's this money that's supposed to be targeted towards minorities to help minorities get on their feet? Well, it's I, just a slush fund. And every, every idea they come up with, like this big new green deal, like Medicare for all, like free housing, like, like uh, free education, it's all hogwash. We got to fight against this stuff, and we got to live by those principles that people like Clarence Thomas live by that really live through depressions yeah. and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and have content of character and self-responsibility. Well, thank you, Verlon, for calling. You go back to your Christmas shopping and keep listening because I got more about this article. But you made some good points. Uh, now, the, the, the bootstrap argument, 
is often pushed back against it. And I, and, I, and I get it because they'll say some of us don't have boots. How are we going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps? So I don't mind helping people, but you're right that it got to the point that people got so dependent that they're like, well, I don't have to do anything. You're just going to come to me and you're just going to help it. You know, people help those that help themselves and you got to have skin in the game. So if you want help, you got to be ready when that help arrives. And I was just talking with the producer here that um, who says that that help? I'm all about help. But who says that help is supposed to come from the government? Why can't your brother brother help you? Why can't your cousin help you? Why can't your neighbor help you? Why can't your coworker help you? Why does it have to be somebody way off in the distance that you don't know as somebody that's getting paid from the tax dollar that help you? Help can come in many forms. Why only look at one? But I'm all about help. But the other thing you said that was important is the thing that I was alluding to when they were saying that Clarence Thomas is so wrong. And it's that leftist living, living, breathing constitution stuff. Right. Too many people, because we took it out of schools. Or if they do teach it, they teach it in a partial way. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. That doesn't matter. The Constitution is the Constitution. And the founding of the country came about the way it did. That's fact. So why don't you just tell people if you're a teacher? what the difference is between the three branches of government, the checks and balances, right? None of them have supreme authority. So what is the role of the judiciary? Their job is to focus on, you know, whether a law coming from uh, Congress or something that the president and executive branch is trying to do is constitutional or not. That's it. Not to create law, not to change the Constitution. They should always tell you whether it's a right-leaning person or a left-leaning person coming to them with some change. Rule based on the Constitution and say, if you all want to change it, you take it to the people and you have the people vote on it. So it's not a living, breathing document. So for them to say that Clarence Thomas should look at the Constitution and look at the cases brought to him, say, according to the Constitution, it should be A. But B would be more beneficial for black. So I'm going to go with B. And if he doesn't do that, he's an Uncle Tom. Come on. That's crazy. And I say Uncle Tom because not just because his name is Thomas. Continuing on with this um, article, they go on to, um, as I say, revert back to the frequent lazy references of a black man as a house Negro. So the next section of the article, please check it out on Indigo. I will post it on Facebook and on um, my Twitter page. Thomas is compared to Samuel L. Jackson's character from Django Unchained. And if you haven't seen that, it is a movie about a former slave who's going back to uh, rescue his wife who's still living with a slave master. And uh, Django's uh, and uh, sorry, Samuel Jackson's character is a house slave who is more aligned with his master than his own black people. And he's willing to he's a race trader who's willing to sell out his own people for the white man. And this is the person they compare Clarence Thomas to. And then, of course, they do the obligatory. Now, it pains me to say this. It's not like I want this to be the case, but it is the case. And that's sad that supposedly an educated journalist would write something silly like that. But he tied it all up with a bow at the end. And he says, 
you know, that as I say that the article from beginning to end is just drenched with low expectations, groupthink, and extreme emotionalism that is way too common amongst liberal elites. But he ends it with the dangers of Clarence Thomas and a call to black people to fix the problem the only way they can to stand up, be active. And the total solution, which is no surprise, get out, register to vote and vote for Democrats. So this long, painstakingly biased article that's extremely negative is all crafted to say that Clarence Thomas hates black people. He's a house Negro. He married a white woman and you have to vote for Democrats to fix all of the problems in the black community. So don't talk about the other side. Even if you agree with that and Republicans and and Clarence Thomas is bad, don't talk about what Democrats have done that doesn't work. This is a one-sided thing in this country. The only problems we face in America are are created by Republicans. They're Republican problems. And if we just got, it's like Obama said the other day, if we only had women running every country, the world would be perfect, which is probably the dumbest thing that he said. And he said a lot of dumb things. Well, it's like that. If only we got rid of all the Republicans in America, everything would be fine because the Democrats are so perfect. Again, listening to urban radio will show it'll frustrate you sometimes, but it will show you that most black people don't buy that crap. And it's only these black elites that think that at the dinner party. I joke that uh, you got people like Charles Blow and others who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You're Don Lemons who who have TV shows and write articles and all they write about and all they talk about is how how tough it is for black people and how racist white people are. But they all go home to wealthy black people or their wealthy white friends or to the white man that they're dating because that's the reality of their life. And that argument is just them trying to garner ratings. And trust me, most black people don't buy it. Stick around. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Charles Love. John is knitting a sweater. Um, I was talking about the uh, article about the Supreme Court justices and affirmative action came up. And uh, we have Edward on the line with No Hometown who wants to talk about uh, affirmative action. Edward, welcome to Black and Right. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, so I think uh, affirmative action has had the opposite uh, effect because I think it's just incentivizes laziness because they know that people will advance in that area, whether it's a work or school, because, you know, you're, you have a dark skin and there's no incentive to do any hard work. Well, um, I can, well, I guess if you're looking at it from a today's standpoint, but I, I'd have to push back and disagree. I don't think it incentivized laziness, at least not directly. That wasn't the intent, obviously. I think what it is, yeah. is is the is the progression of unintended consequences of uh, good intentions. And we thought we were doing this because if you look at it in its form, what they're saying is, hey, give this black guy a shot. They're not saying don't work and don't perform and be lazy. They're saying, you know, at the time they were saying, well, there's union plumbers. 
and they're not hiring any black people. Black people want to want to work. Let's make them be, you know, make them allow them to do it. So the expectation was that you would have more union plumbers and then and then people perform. But it wasn't really lazy because they still have to do the work. Now, and then there's another barrier with uh, immigration. We can't forget that. Right. That's definitely true. Well, that's the other thing why I talk about people in urban radio and reading the publications and find out what they believe. Because most black people think uh, illegal immigration hurts the community and hurts black people. They're not for it. They're just afraid to speak out against the Democrats because they've been led to hate the Republicans so much. But you, you, you're right in a sense from there. Thank you uh, very much, Edward, for your Thank call. You. I just don't I don't think that it promotes laziness. What I would say is the intentions, like I said. So here's an example. It's we're we're rounding out 2019. So it's been 50 years since the Philadelphia plan when Nixon signed his first executive uh, action, uh, which uh, is executive order, which led to what would be known as affirmative action. So 50 years of it. So we can do a 50 year assessment, look at it and say, where has it gone? What has it done? So it did some good. It had a gray area. Things have kind of shifted. But I think the difference was, like I said, the progression of it. What happens is government never gets smaller. So that was 69. Ten years later, uh, in United Steelworkers of America versus Weber, uh, there was a white employee who sued saying that he was passed over for a training program by less qualified minorities and took it to the Supreme Court. They, they had been fulfilling the job. By seniority, and he had the most seniority, but he got skipped. So he was like, that's, in essence, unfair. So the Supreme Court ruled against him. However, the progression. Initially, it was like blacks are locked out. They, there's, a, there's a history of unfair practices, 100% true, let's fix it, which is why I said I was pro-reparations, because that would have fixed it, but they didn't. They wanted to tinker. So then now it's 10 years later, this guy's suing technically by Constitution. He should have been right. The Constitution says X. But what they said was, well, it's okay. And um, in their judgment, they said that they needed to eliminate traditional patterns of racial segregation. So they intended it to be temporary and only for private businesses. So start off one way, 10 years later, ah, you can do a little bit more than it should be as long as you keep it confined to private businesses and it's temporary, then it should be fine opening the floodgates because now if you look at it, it's pretty much more public than it is private. Right? So think about that for a minute, regardless of your views, affirmative action was started to focus on helping blacks, even the playing field for a temporary period of time. And they said, well, let's focus on the private sector. Let's not get into the public sector. Uh, private parties should be able to, to, to kind of tweak and cheat a little bit, put the thumb on the scale because they're private company which would be fine. And you would agree with that if that was the case, but look at it now, all the government set aside, all the contracts they're talking about, they're all in the public sector. So it totally flipped. Whether you agree with it or not, you can't argue that it's different from the original intent. And it's another example of the many, many examples of the government going beyond the scope of what they should be doing constitutionally and going beyond what they said they were going to do to begin with. It's no difference than them saying, Hey, we're going to tax you. The income tax. Good old Woodrow Wilson. We're going to tax you. We're going to start an income tax. And we're going to set it at whatever it was, 2%. It's never going to be higher than 2%. Right? And obviously it goes up. I mean, you got people now arguing that it should be half of your pay. Because 
it's a behemoth and it always wants more. So when you vote for more government, you're not just voting for more government for you now. You're voting for exponentially more government in the future for future generations. And no one wants to think that far. Um, and that's the issue with affirmative action and many of the government programs. So I disagree with Edward. I get what he was saying, but I disagree that it was, it promotes laziness. No, they're technically telling you, you need to work. We're just going to get you the job regardless of whether you're the most qualified person for the job. And I don't know if you can say that today in 2019, that that is a beneficial thing to do for all. I mean, we have a lot of situations and evidence that, uh, it is not helping uh, the people that they're intending to help. And 50 years later, you cannot say, even those who like it, they're not asking to end it because it hasn't worked. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love on AM560. The answer. Welcome back to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles Love. John is not in today. He had to wait for the cable guy to arrive. Um, I saw an interesting article this week in the Philadelphia Inquirer. And... Uh, this is, um, I don't know who the writer is, but this is another one of those. I can gar- guarantee you this person's on the left. But you should check it out. It's pretty interesting. It says, black teens who experience daily racial discrimination show depressive symptoms. Study says. Now, I don't know if you listen to the show on a regular basis, but I am often saying, if you have a strong laser focused meter on common sense, you don't need a study. Strong common sense can tell you most of what you need to know. Now, I don't want to say that I'm disparaging this article because of the people who are struggling because that's common sense. It's the opposite. I like, obviously do you even need to write an article? You're telling me, that somebody had to do a study. Let's step back. Somebody had to do a study to determine that if somebody um, had to deal with daily discrimination, that that could cause the depression. Duh is my response to that. Obviously. And they're teens. So they're not fully developed and they're dealing with discrimination every day. Of course it would, it would lead them to the de- de- depression. Um, so the study the fact that they did the study kind of leads me to believe that they had some angle, political angle they were trying to, uh, a social justice angle they were trying to prove. But the study says that they surveyed 101 teens between 13 and 17 in neighbors in, in D.C., and the teens uh, completed daily surveys about discrimination and mental health over 15 days. So the issue I have, again, it's not that they were depressed by this, is when I saw the headline, it made me wonder, wow, wow that's a lot. That's ter- terrifying and terrible. Let me get that scroll through. I read the whole article, but let me scroll down and see what these examples of daily discrimination are. Because my common sense radar detector said there's no way that they're dealing with um, 
discrimination on a daily basis. So I'm scrolling through the article, and, and it shocked me because it says, in total, remember this is 101 teens between 13 and 17, each teen experienced an average of five incidents of discrimination a day. Now think about that. I'm a black man. I've experienced situations of discrimination. I don't even experience five of them a month. They're saying five a day, right? So I'm like, that's crazy. So, okay, give me some examples. I'm ready for them to tell me that somebody, you know, threw something at them or or tried to grab them off the street because they were black. It's all like uh, stuff like, well, they see stuff on the Internet or, you know, they, the, one of the best is they said one of the top uh, examples is that they witness something, whether it's uh, a post on Facebook or something, something as being directed at someone else and they're a third party seeing it. They say in quotes that it's in the, that they, <laughs> they, didn't they point out that the uh, adults and the kids alike who asked about racism and racial, racial teasing say it's innocuous and rather harmless. So why'd you write the article? And what are these five experiences that they're supposedly dealing with? Nobody really believes that. So that's the thing. They're trying to create a narrative that's not true. And then say people who are dealing with this narrative that's fake are suicidal or are, are depressed. If, if people were dealing with five daily acts of dis, uh, racial discrimination every day, there'd be more suicide amongst black teens than there are white teens. Nobody's buying that. And look, our buddy Sean from Elwood Park has a, uh, a take on this uh, article. Sean, welcome to Black and Right. First of all, if your partner can't make it, you give me a phone call. I come in and help you out a little bit, for God's sake. Secondly, <laughs> somebody's got to deliver the cabbage. <laughs> That's right. The article is brilliant because it does a couple of things, in my opinion. Number one, it demonizes the other races. And the main race that they're going after is white, right? right. So you build this, this information posed to you as scientific when the reality is it does it it also then takes the news organization and subliminally builds a trust between minority races and media right because they're looking out for us right they're looking out for you and we found the bad guy and it's whitey whitey's pretty bad no matter whitey's pretty bad come on Oh, come on. It's a terrible, the blue-eyed white devil. He's he's all the problems, the root of all problems. Anyway, and what it does is it takes a young, impressionable mind. And if he doesn't experience the five, he will after he's done, because now he's he's on target for it. He's looking looking for it. And he has an excuse for his own shortcomings. So now he's dependent, and he's bought in this victimization, and now he's got the common enemy, and it's every white person. Because what this article doesn't do is it doesn't talk about the individuals, the people who look at people the way I look at people. I don't have an ism other than communism. I don't like communists of any color. But the reality is it, it, it builds that wall between races. So it'll, it'll also have an animosity between the black person who's never really maybe encountered these individual white people, but already has the chip on his shoulder and says, no matter what I do, this guy's going to look at me. Right. Less than what I am, less than a man. Right. So the bad so part is that it, they're creating the situation that wasn't there before. Thank you, Sean. We're coming up against the break. That was a great car. That guy needs to get a radio show. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. 
and right continues on AM 560. Once again, here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM 560. The answer, Charles here. John is herding sheep. Odd for big city living. Um, time goes so fast. I talk so much that uh, this is the last segment already, and I didn't get to hit on everything. I want to briefly uh, talk about how, you know, we talk about the media a lot in the news and, you know, obviously the, the Trump focus and all that. And I'm always arguing that we're focusing on Trump too much. And here's an example of it. We're at the end of the year. And I was looking back at some some stories that popped up, you know, throughout the year that was so big that it was the only it captivated the country and it was the only thing we talked about. And how they kind of fade away. Do you remember that this year started off with a government shutdown? Do you remember that uh obviously because it kept coming back up with the trial and this and then the dropping of charge not the trial, but dropping of charges and the charges. But it's been a year since Jesse Smollett got uh bleach thrown on him by the white uh Trump supporters. Same with the coveting high school and that the L.A. and and Virginia teachers went on strike. Right. Whole year. And then February. Trump freaked everybody else again. uh, He he freaked everyone out by declaring a national emergency on the wall. And remember that the the country was going to end there when that happened. Nobody talks about that anymore. Back in February. (laughs) You couldn't even make this up that the top three elected officials, all Democrats, all got in trouble in different scandals, two for blackface, one for a a Me Too situation for uh, supposedly raping someone. All of them stayed in office. One got reelected. It was the only news story for like three weeks and then gone. You know, everybody was uh, talking about Nipsey Hussle being being murdered. Uh, Do you remember the Notre Dame had a fire? See, the point here is that all these things are really important, but all these things are so bad to happen when they happen that the media shifts it and crafts it to make you think that your life can't go on and you should curl up in a ball. So you remember that and you think that these things are important. You need to stay informed, but don't let this stuff control you. It's all going to go away. I remember uh, John and I sat in for Joe Walsh on his last show. And uh, on that day, Trump attacked uh, the, the Fed chair and the stock market dropped 600 points. And then everybody, all the Democrats rubbed their hands like, excellent. Here comes that recession we promised you. Where's the stock market today? So don't freak out about that stuff. And um, this is the last black and white show of uh, 2019. And I uh, want to leave you by thanking you for sticking with us. We had some ups and downs and, had a bunch of crazy times. We you know, had to step aside the football and the preemption and this or that, but we still stand, standing here, still trying to give you uh, information in a way you don't hear it normally. I will continue to try to focus on the culture and show you where the, cultural, the culture is shifting and why it's important to stand up and pay attention and speak out about it. And I will use these airways as long as I can as an opportunity to talk to people, regardless of their political affiliation, to say, if you are a normal, common sense person who loves America and wants to to succeed, your family to succeed and your friends and people around you to succeed, you have to join me and call out the far left. I don't care if you're a liberal or Democrat or where you sit. We can argue about differences on policy later. We have to stop this, you know, 
it's evil to say Christmas. There's if you make money, you're a bad person, that all white people are bad, that all black people are poor and struggling. It's not true. You know, it's not true. Let's stick together and be positive and focus on the more important things and prioritize things in a way that they will have a positive effect on the country and everyone's life. Thank you again for listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. I'm out. 2020's next. <laughs>